So we just finished talking about um, vehicles and uh, how it fits into some of the federal government's environmental targets, right? In 2035, no new gas-powered vehicle sales in Canada. Um, you know this is contentious, and we heard from a couple of people who got a lot of concerns about it. Um, yesterday, Premier Daniel Smith tweeted out a lengthy video of her, I, th- I think it was in downtown Calgary, I'm pretty sure, uh, going over a laundry list of things that she doesn't like about Ottawa's environmental policies, including the electric vehicle one. Um, she went off on carbon tax as well, clean electricity mandates, plastic bans, you name it. Now, this is part and parcel of being a conservative in Canada these days, right? Pierre Polyev, of course, campaigning on a slogan of axe the tax, the carbon tax, that being, of course. Now, not all conservatives are climate change deniers, and we don't want to veer into that, but clearly and obviously we have different viewpoints when it comes to conservatives in Canada and progressives in Canada and where they stand on issues of the environment and tackling climate change. And there's not a lot of agreement between the two parties. Hasn't always been that way, you know. It's it's a little bit different. You can chart a a change in direction on this. We're going to speak now with Arno Kopetsky, who is an environmental journalist and author, and talk about this phenomenon. Arno, thanks so much for being here today. I appreciate your time. Hey, Shay, always great to be with you. Good morning. Yeah, so like I say, in framing this this conversation, there's no question that, that conservatives in Canada, and I, I would say probably around the world, but we're going to focus mainly on Canada, um, they view the issues around climate change and what to do about it differently than their political counterparts. And, you know, there are some, and I hear from them occasionally, that think it's all nonsense. We shouldn't be talking about it at all. That's not the basket I mm-hmm. want to put conservative politicians into, because they talk about it. They talk about addressing it differently. They talk about timelines. Yeah. So the argument is they just just view it differently, right? Yeah, I guess the, I guess uh, one could say, to me, the most generous way to look at it is they have a different analysis of the risk that it poses. So they say, right. yes, it's an issue, but the magnitude of the crisis pales in comparison to many other things. So they always downplay the severity. And, and they tie it to, listen, okay, we, we agree there's an issue there and we need to address it, but we can't do it, um, you know, at the detriment of our economy and freedoms. And I mean, they sort of bring those other elements into it, right? And sort of tip the, not tip the scales, but create a scale where you got to find a balance. That's right. The cure can't be worse than the disease, they say. I mean, the way I, the way I look at it, they, they, they consistently frame uh, climate policy like the carbon tax as really an assault on affordability and freedom. And they've really, that goes well beyond just climate policy. I would say it expends just about all manner of environmental yeah. protections, whether you're talking about, you know, just the other day, Rebecca Schultz, Alberta's environment minister, uh, came down against the plastic, the federal plastic registry yep. um, that the federal government is trying to oppose to, so that we can actually recycle our plastics, which right now about 80% of them end up in a landfill. And, and she said, you know, well, this is just going to make everything more expensive. Um, it's going to bring additional cost to consumers, and it's not the jurisdiction of the of the federal government, this is the provinces. So that's just one example out of a litany of examples. You know, Danielle Smith also... Yep canceled renewable energy for a lot of the same reasons. So this is, you know, this is the playbook. It's it's clear. You're absolutely right. Anything that comes out of Ottawa when it comes to environment and climate change is immediately opposed um, by the Conservative yeah. government here and, and by Pierre Polyev in Ottawa. So there's no doubt. You can see, clearly see the line. Hasn't always been that way, though, right? I mean, no, did, yeah. at one point, were Conservatives even climate champions, would you say, Arno? Well, I would. Uh, it was the idea of a carbon tax was first proposed by conservatives, and uh, you know, British Columbia at the time had a 
not in name, but uh, a conservative government um, in 2008 and was the first jurisdiction in North America to bring in a, in a carbon tax. Going further back, conservative, you know, just the very word conservatives is etymolo- is, is very thematically linked to co- conservation, uh, environmental conservation. So there was a time, you know, especially going back to the Mulroney years, it was conservatives who convened a global agreement, the Montreal Protocol, to save the ozone layer. It was conservatives who helped fight acid rain right around that time as well. Stephen Harper, even in 2008, said global uh, global warming, climate change, represents one of the biggest threats to civilization. You know, he had it in him to say that. And he was no foe of the oil industry, but he could sort of acknowledge yeah. it. Um, it's impossible to imagine a conservative politician, really anywhere in Canada, saying something that declarative and that bold about, about climate change today. I agree. I agree. Yeah, you, just, you just wouldn't yeah. hear it in, in our modern um, political climate. So what happened? When did it start to change and why did it start to change? Yeah, it's really interesting. I looked at I looked at sort of the history of how, how did this shift happen, and, and it is reflected globally. You know, the uh, conservatives around the world have, have done this. And in Canada, it really happened around just over about 15 years ago during the last financial crisis in 2007 and 8. Uh, right before then, the Conservatives had been still pretty friendly with, with the environment. But then the financial crisis happened and suddenly, you know, economic issues came to the fore and the oil industry was really our, became a mainstay. And the Conservative government wanted to do everything it could to protect it. And this was right at the same time that Blockadia and the anti-pipeline movement really really started to get some teeth and really started blocking pipelines, Northern Gateway Pipeline in particular, which was a, a golden child for the conservative government and also sort of a golden child for, for, the, for the environmental movement to block. And so that set up this, this huge tension between the environmental movement and many of the First Nations who were allied with that movement between that group and the conservative government. And suddenly you had, you know, Joe, that was when Joe Oliver, who was natural resources minister at the time, penned this famous open letter saying, you know, the environmentalists are these radicals who are foreign funded and they're out to oppose yep. all the growth of, of the Canadian economy. And then Peter Kitt, who was the federal environment minister at the time, also accused uh, environmental groups of laundering money for American groups. So now you have the environment minister attacking environmental groups, which was crazy. And then, you know, a few years later, uh, um, Jason Kenney, who had been a cabinet minister, of course, in Harper's government, and then, of course, became the premier of Alberta, he sort of la- he launches this inquiry into, you know, the anti-Alberta yep. activities of the environmental groups. So that was, you know, you had this sort of 10-year trajectory where the government just basically saw environmental groups as really messing with their economic uh, targets. And it's no coincidence, you know, this is also happening at the time when environmental uh, consequences are really, you know, look at what's happened to climate change just in the last five years, let alone 10 years. Um, the, the stakes have just gotten so high. So I think environmental groups have also really upped their stakes. Yep. As, and so the two sides have just really leaned into opposition. And, and I think, um, I don't know, you know, if, if you step back and just look at this moment in history, it's clear that things really need to change. And the Conservative Party has become sort of the messenger of the status quo and how things used to be, I think. And there's a lot of votes to be had in saying, you know what, guys, things don't have to change. We can still keep doing them the way we used to. Don't let those radicals uh, mess you up. Uh, We we just got to get back to basics, you know, pump some oil and gas. Don't trust that renewable energy. They're they're overhyping it. 
Um, it's the voice of the status quo, and it's very alluring, and it's very powerful. And change is scary, and nobody has an answer as to exactly what's next. But um, conservatives have really become the national vehicle, and it's true at the provincial level as well as the federal level, the national vehicle of, of, of sort of downplaying yep. Um, and any environmental concern and, and, and framing it as an assault on especially affordability because, of course, things have just exploded in prices. So there is a real affordability crisis, but it is false to blame it on uh, the environmentalists right. yes. who are, who are yeah. trying to say, look, we've got some problems we have to deal with here. But you make the point it, where we've taken it. Um, and like you say, you know, the, they've leaned into opposition on both sides of this. So it's at, we're at a point now where uh, it has been so vilified and demonized and overwrought that you can literally come out and blame the carbon tax for everything in some areas of Alberta, Arnold. Literally, well, do. it doesn't matter what it is. You can yes. point your finger at the carbon tax. Totally, and that is their tactic, and it's quite successful. I mean, look at the polls. The Conservatives are doing wonderfully at the federal level, and, you know, they're running Alberta and Saskatchewan and Ontario, um, and they have gone to, like, for the last, ever since the carbon tax came in, Axe the tax has been a very popular thing. So it works. Uh, In my view, it is a shooting the messenger thing. Um, Also, it is just kind of absurd to blame the carbon tax for inflation like yes it costs a bit more to fill your truck up now but uh the carbon tax adds about 0.15 percent to inflation inflation is now around three percent just over three percent um you know what really made things expensive is the war in ukraine Mm -hmm. which oh yeah massively exploded the price of oil um or extreme weather has really destroyed global harvests all around the world for three years running and by the way, we're now entering a crazy drought, um, or actually the drought never ended from last summer, and it, so it's looking pretty grim again for this coming spring, summer harvest season. So um, extreme weather has just really boosted, by orders of magnitude, uh, it has a much greater impact on, on the price of food. So if you're, if you're looking to attack or to like address um, inflation, Look at extreme weather and things like uh, foreign wars that raise the price of Mm -hmm. oil. Those are directly related to our dependence on fossil fuel. And what is a carbon tax designed to address? Our dependence on fossil fuel. So you can scapegoat the carbon tax, but um, that's exactly what you would be doing. It's scapegoating. And, of course, there's the pandemic that has also had a huge influence on inflation. Um, All of these things have just been, you know, like I said, orders of magnitude greater influence on inflation than the carbon tax. Uh, so we could have a whole, you know, complex <laughs> argument of, about what the carbon yeah. tax does and doesn't do and rebates and all that stuff. But I really think it actually, just doing that even, you know, plays into the conservative hands because they want to have an yeah. argument about the carbon tax. They want us to be focused on that and not focused on the record profits that the oil industry made and how much that actually increased our cost of living. They don't want to talk about extreme weather. They don't want to talk about these droughts and the wildfires that are coming as a result of climate change, which is a result of our use of fossil fuels. These are complex discussions, and, and I think they, they want to shy away from that. You know, complexity is not the friend no, of an right. opposition government trying to seize power. If your message yeah. is, this costs you more money and we'll get rid of it and save you money, that's a winning proposition for a lot of voters. Yeah. It's that simple, or no? It always will work. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah, and it's an old, you know, that kind of simple message. Yeah. Uh, it works. People are worried. These are very confusing, complex times. It's a it's a wild moment in history. Um, 
And I'm really glad to be able to talk to you about these things because it's frustrating to hear people say, "Ask the tax and it will all go away." I know uh, it's, it, not it's that simple. I'm afraid it's not that yeah. simple, and that's why it's important to talk about it. Arnold, thank you so much for your time today. I do appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks, Jay. Great to talk to you.